is a, a picture of absolute misery, though, isn't it? I know, bless him. But he, he, he genuinely looks sad about it, doesn't he? Well, he's, you know, he's been emas- literally emasculated. So. But do you think that's what's making him sad, or is it having to wear the cone? The funniest thing about the cone is that he can't judge his distances. Yeah. So he literally, he bangs into everything. It's like having a blind dog. Is he no longer able to catch? He couldn't do that anyway. Well, it, just, it's, it should be easier to catch because he can, if he misses it, it just catches in the cone. <laughs> That's true. It rolls, rolls back around. to his mouth. Yeah. 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 Well, no, no, because it's just rolling around his head and he's desperately <laughs> trying to get it with his tongue. It's like the biggest golf hole ever. I'm going to get it within three foot and boom. <laughs> He'll be fine. He's He'll fine. Be fine. With, he's fine within himself. He's yeah, absolutely he? fine. You're, did, well, you're more worried about Rory. I am worried about Rory. He's very quiet. He looks. You look as though you're thinking about something deeply. I was thinking deeply about how much pancakes. You weren't though, were you? I was. It's not about the pancakes, is it? It's all about. It's the never pancakes. about the pancakes. It's all about the pancakes. There's a deep lying issue here. We will find out what it is. It's about hopefully the during the po- if you start crying during the podcast, brilliant. It's about That's the pancakes. Great radio. Yeah, <laughs> it is definitely about the pancakes for me. It's like yeah, when is it? You quite often listen to on talk radio. I, I quite often have to switch off because you can tell that the presenter is trying to make the guests cry, and I find that annoying. Do your listeners not just find it really? Aw- I find it really awkward. I don't want to listen to someone cry. Listeners don't matter. Come on. Let's get rid of that crazy Which is suggestion. worse, people crying on TV or crying on radio? Is it more effective if they cry on radio? A cry or on radio seeing someone is crying? the silence between the yeah, noises on see? radio, yeah. which is yeah. the more effective. Which is, mm. which is particularly effective. But that's also the, the thing that makes it more awkward. Yeah, exactly. Because exactly. nobody listening likes silence on the radio no. because you cannot see what is either going wrong or, or mm. intentionally going right. Yeah, technically silence is death on the radio, isn't it? That's what I was taught I by... Would, I wouldn't say what? technically. <laughs> I feel it is. I feel it is. Yeah. Have you ever been part of a discussion where someone's actually cried on a, on a radio discussion? No. I think I've been part of a discussion that's made quite a lot of li- listeners cry. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. You no, know, did that involve yeah. Steve Claridge? <laughs> no comment. You do try and make Chris Sutton cry on a Monday night on Five Live occasionally. No, he's a he's a man of steel, is Chris Sutton. Is he? Yeah. The thing about Chris Sutton is that not Sutton. He's not known as Sutton. He's Chris. Is that he's the jolliest person you'll ever meet when he's not got a microphone in front of his face. <laughs> but he's obviously decided, and I say this with the greatest greatest respect, he's decided that's his persona to be mm. the kind of not not miserable, not in a hector sense, um, but kind of slightly grumpy dismissive, withering character. But he's not like that at all, really. On the uh, the adverts for BT Sports Score, mm. he's very much uh, in that role. So I think, yes, it's a, it's a, it's a character which, is, which befits what kind him. Of actor? What kind of actor it plays that? Is Jack Nicholson quite a moody... So Chris Sutton Does he become uh, uh, Jack Nicholson? <laughs> new feature, new feature. Yeah. Pundits as actors. Yes, because you, you, you say he's definitely... I, I think that's right. I've spoken to him off... Mike, yeah, and he's lovely, isn't he's he? He's a lovely man. He's a sherbet lemon. He's got a, a tough outer shell, but he's soft in, in, inside. But then when he goes on air, he seems to turn into Sutton Man. He becomes very angry. Man. Chris Sutton could replace Bill Murray in the remake of Groundhog Day. There we are. We, that's what we need, a moody, angry yep. actor, Bill Murray. Know, yeah. There's a little bit of Liam Neeson about him, isn't there? Oh, do you think Chris Sutton would be one of those kind of people who, in the later life, after being... After being in Star Wars and playing mm. rom-com roles yeah. and meaningful in the Chinders list, then then kind of post-55, they become this action hero. Yeah. So Chris Sutton, up until the point that he became a pundit, was all sorts of things, but now he is Liam Neeson in Taken 3. And yeah. later on, he'll he'll film something where Paul Warhurst captures his daughter. <laughs> <laughs> this evil genius, Paul Warhurst. What, and he what, to, what about if Robbie Savage was the one that was taken? No. Sutton wouldn't be bothered with it. No. <laughs> I'll leave that. <laughs> Robbie you Savage, can have it. Albanians, you can have it. <laughs> Robbie Savage is Owen Wilson. Yes. Yeah. Okay. No, only because of the hair. Yes. 
it's a measure of Chris Sutton's personality that the first time I met him, I called him the Norfolk Warhurst. And he texted me afterwards with a, a, a cry laugh emoji because he thought it was funny. That's what Chris Sutton's it, it like. It took him two and a half hours to well, emote. You, <laughs> one should not text whilst on the radio. That's very poor form. And it's also, there's so many emojis now. It's difficult to yeah. find the right one. You've got to scroll, yeah. scroll through them. So yeah, cause some, sometimes it can take a couple of hours. We- Spanner, Belarusian flag. <laughs> Cry laugh. Fine. You, you are allowed to do uh, texting on the radio if you are working on transfer deadline day, which Chinch, you did for Sky. Rory, were you on the radio on no, transfer deadline no, day? No, I think they finally worked out after five years that I contribute literally nothing. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and you have no sources that are relevant I don't, I, I, to these I'm not things. Even, I'm not even making calls. I don't care. But Chinch, you were on um, the big power post-Jamie Redknapp, Thierry Henry section of yeah, Sky yeah. Sports News. It went uh, from Love Island cast day. to the cast of Fraggle Rock <laughs> with myself and Phil Thompson. You know, who is going to Tune in. So even I wouldn't tune in to watch that. No Awful profile people. shots. No Awful profile people. shots. Just keep yeah. it nice and front on. If we didn't take a camera out with our noses, we were lucky. It was and nothing ever happens. I've done different time slots over the last five years, and no deals ever go through when didn't I'm there. Didn't Mares not happen during yes. that, that? It was going to happen. I said, well, "Oh, no, it stopped. It's not happening now." Again, that me. was that was one of the most dramatic things of yeah. that day. Since you were then, very he's not trained at Leicester, has he? he? Said that's it. I'm not doing it anymore. I thought I I, enough. The little bit of Sky Sports news that I watched on transfer deadline day was. The, I think the 10 o'clock update after the games had finished and the the lead story was Mares. but you we'd known for like eight hours that Mares wasn't happening and it's Jim White and it's, this isn't a, having, Jim White's got a job to do he's got you know he's got a TV show to, to make compelling it is, it is entertainment also yeah that's what his job is and he's very very good at it but he was sort of saying you know, is this drawn to what's, what's the latest with Mares? and you sort of think well the latest is he's not going to City have withdrawn their bid and literally everybody knows that Jim so don't pretend that, <laughs> that there's a story here when there isn't and it's that's it's just that stuff I think that Sky maybe needs to. I might have influenced that because we were doing all the Obama Yang stuff, mm-hmm. and with the Mares thing, it's going to happen. It's not going to happen. That's quite that's quite a big deal, isn't it? If it's not going to go through, we should. And he said, "Yeah, we should talk about that," and we then didn't. So maybe uh, he was making up for the fact that we didn't, because I would have nailed it at that and, point, and, and they wouldn't have needed to mention it again. So Jim had to carry on. The pull in the string. The, the yeah, problem yeah, is, yeah. is nothing really happens, especially on January transfer deadline day. But visually, it was always entertaining mm. with reporters. Still outside grounds, fans around them, dildos yeah, in, the in the face. Yeah. That was what it was all about. They can no longer do that for security no. reasons. So now it just looks really stale inside stadiums. The lights are dimmed. There's nothing happening. Are we allowed to say dildos? Welcome to Set Piece Menu. This is the podcast where four friends talk football over food. The food uh, could well be the reason behind Andy's slight concern about Rory's mood because you have been focusing for the last few minutes more than on some fluffy, beautiful American-style pancakes, which we will be enjoying at the end of this uh, mm. podcast because yeah. uh, you have an extra load of batter and we need to make sure that we get enough pancakes. You're a little bit worried about the, the pancake quantity. I so. misjudged how, how many pancakes one batch of batter would make. That was my concern, Chin. Or did you misjudge how hungry we would all be on arrival? Was it sort of a combination of those two things? You all, all came and there was suddenly quite a lot of you. It took me by surprise. <laughs> How many pancakes do you reckon we're, four of us are going to eat? I think we probably need four or five each. each? No way. They're two. Only, they're I only small. Have, yeah, they're no, only but small. I'd only have two. Why? Because that, that, you can't have four or five we'll pancakes. Have, we'll have 
five or six. Well, then Kate so threw fine. in the fact that she wants the leftovers, so that's oh, something else. That too. means at least two or three, not just leftovers. You can't just give yeah, a half a pancake. Exactly, yeah. yeah. There you go. Two will not satisfy you, Chinch. You are, it will. You are a man of great girth. You need to remember. Am <laughs> There's I? a lot to fill. Oh, I am, yes. Yeah. With me, Hugh Ferris, on Set Piece Menu are a man who is now 40 years old, Stephen Wyeth, a man who is now 49 years old, Andy Hinchcliffe, and a man who is only just finding out about both those milestones, Rory Smith. When was your birthday? On Sunday. Is that right? Yeah. I feel awful now. Happy birthday. Thank you very much. When was his birthday? Same day as Carlos Tevez, Cristiano Ronaldo, Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. What a five-a-side team we'd make. Well, there are four it? of you. No, there's one more as well. There's it, another good player in there somewhere. His was on Monday. They are, they are just a day, day apart, but That's nine remarkable. years apart. I'm Does it really look like there's nine years? But we, we, we do look like twin brothers. But I'm not in that way. I'm slightly concerned, you know, the machines at the gym that you can stand on and you input all your data and they, they give you your, your fitness age. I'm slightly concerned that I would come up older than Chinch under those circumstances. Yours is 49, his is 40. Uh, do get in touch with the podcast at Set Piece Menu is where we are on Twitter. Setpiecemenu at gmail.com. Uh, over the last week or so, you have been doing exactly that. Um, I thank you for one of them in terms of your unsung heroes. Thank you very much for getting in touch. Do continue to send in your unsung heroes more on that in just a moment i don't necessarily appreciate how many of you got in touch following our first ever uh, twitter teaser which we set on last week's pod which i thought was quite tough rory and steve thought it was incredibly easy everybody who has responded to the question after it was put on twitter made me feel even smaller than i did at that point but i'm going to try and uh, resurrect things by asking andy hinchcliffe whether he knows the answer to the twitter teaser mm. just to see if we can get a 50 percent ignorance rate on the podcast how was history made mm. when aston villa hosted nottingham forest in the championship in september 2016 is it the first time that villa played forest in the championship in september <laughs> <laughs> it could makes, be it makes me feel so much but better. it could be couldn't it i'm going to really extend this out over at least a minute or so, so that I could be the alternative but right answer couldn't it? This is not mock the week, Chinch. No, we're lo- could we're looking right. to get that could, straight that could be to right, the correct it? it probably is right, isn't it? Do you know the answer, Chinch? Do you know the actual answer? I know my answer. <laughs> Excellent. This is fake news from Chinch. Right, who got it right and what was the right answer, Steve? Uh, the correct answer was that it was the first time that two former European champions had met outside of the top flight. In September. <laughs> of 2016. <laughs> uh, so... So many people. Let's have a, a quick list of name, a name checking list to make them all feel wonderful because this is the only prize they're going to get. Nobody got it wrong. First off the mark, instantaneously, before I even realised the pod had been published, was Alex Barilero. Congratulations, Alex. Uh, Alex Emberton, Nicholas Bampton, Vikrant Singh, Sam Richards, Samuel L. Junction, Flores Valent, and Yo- Joep Smeets. All very quick off the mark as well. Would that be a Yoop? Was that it? May, perhaps Yoop. a Yoop Smeets. Yoop Smeets. I'm maybe, not sure where he's from. Maybe get in touch. Well, it sounds Dutch to me. Get in touch and tell us how to pronounce your name. Okay. And quickly, um, we'll talk more about this over the coming weeks, but um, do continue to send in your unsung heroes. Um, what was, say, just say, a soupçon of unsung hero suggestions? Just a couple from Adam on Twitter on the topic of underappreciated people in football. Surely the fourth official has to be in the conversation. Constantly abused by fans and managers alike for decisions they have no control over. Their main job is showing the added time which they still don't control. There is a real kind of sadness to, to that, that last sentence. The fact that the one thing they do is nothing to do with them. That is kind of a metaphor for, for the human condition. 
They sometimes get criticised for having the wrong number on the board when a substitution is made, even though it's clearly the manager of the club who has changed his yeah. mind at the last well, moment. Well, the, the third assistant coach has often yeah. given him some sort of illegible writing. Um, thank you. Do continue to send in your unsung heroes at setpiecemenu and setpiecemenu at gmail.com. Thanks to everyone who's got in touch with us, as indeed did Christian Barber to suggest today's topic that he has entitled Honesty in Football. Christian wonders if we should try and make the game more honest. For example, the most frustrating phrase I hear in football, says Christian, is if he feels contact, he should go down. Oh. Wrong, he says in capital letters. With Don't an get me mark. started on this one. Already get me started, seriously. Chin- chinches off a long run, even before we've got two sentences into the first suggestion from Christian. A player should only go down if there is sufficient contact to do so. So why is it that we are teaching players to go down and promote the conning of referees? Number two, why is it that we see players claiming corners and throw-ins when they know for sure that it should go to the other team? Yep. And number three, we have managers, and he suggests Arsene Wenger as an example, um, who consistently claim not to have seen major decisions in a game and refuse to comment on them afterwards. Is it that, says Christian, that the rewards in football have become so great that players and managers are willing to do anything for the sake of winning? Is the only way of making the game more honest to reduce those rewards? And if you think back, those rare moments of honesty are heralded. They are the exception, not the rule. Mm. You remember... Robbie Fowler trying to correct the referee after he'd given a penalty in Liverpool's favour. He, he didn't want or he didn't think that it, it was a foul. Paolo Di Canio catching the ball rather than scoring so that the player can uh, receive medical attention at the time. So, in a nutshell, says Christian, is football becoming less honest in what we still refer to as the beautiful game? Uh, and do we want to change this? Now, we all accept, I think, we're all kind of the kind of people who understand that there are nuances to this, but... We all accept that there will be gamesmanship, but how much should that be allowed to impinge on sportsmanship? If we admit that cheating is here to stay, should we put a limit on it? How much cheating should be allowed? The first thing we have to say, it is cultural within football and certainly maybe on the continent. It's, is it acceptable? Is it, is it, if, if you get away with diving and getting a penalty in certain, on, in certain continents, in certain countries, is that kind of, well, that's just, that's just part of the game? In England, it is, it's a bit sorry, the sorry state of the game, that we actually really flag up when Paolo Di Canio catches the ball and say, isn't that brilliant? We don't see that very often. Shouldn't we be seeing that and saying when, when players are cheating? Shouldn't we be saying, well, that is horribly wrong. The bulk of the game should be about doing the right thing. So, but is, is it different in England than, say, in South America? Or is it a lot more acceptable for players to do the kind of things that we were trying to stop in this country? I think, to be fair, with the, with the Di Canio one, slightly different. Because he wasn't cheating. That was an injured player. Was there not Paul Gerrard, the goalkeeper, yeah, yeah. had got, got gone down injured and a cross came in. No, and no, no, he wasn't cheating, he but it, I'm saying that the moments of honesty are honesty, the exception, yes, not yes, the rule. Yes, but yeah. I would, yeah, and, I, and I'm, not, I'm, I'm being pinnitity to an extent, but if Titanio had scored, he wouldn't have been cheating. He was just, just the whistle hadn't gone. What he did was, was particularly moral, which was why it stood out, I think, mm-hmm. particularly to his proud of Titanio. <laughs> <laughs> and the... Um, that's unfair, Chinch. I'm sorry. But no, but mm. no, 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 no. Let's just dwell on Paolo Di Canio very, very quickly because you, you know Paolo Di yes, Canio. Why yes. do you think he did that? Do you think he did that for the, for the headlines? For the, for the Not at all. No, it was him. Because I can't remember too many occasions. Paolo was a player who loved to score. Go- I can't remember playing with him for those years. That I, I can't remember him as a diver. He was a player who would beat you with skill. He, he, took, he, took, he took pleasure from beating you and scoring a goal rather than 
trying to be fouled or make it look like he'd been fouled. So that was so within I, the understanding yeah, I, I of his I wasn't surprised. And people were really surprised. Oh my God, this is crazy character. Probably, of all people to do it, it was him. I, knowing him, if people don't know what he's actually like and you don't see him day after day in training, the kind of person that he is, I wasn't surprised by that at all. I think in terms of how it's perceived elsewhere, I'm not sure there's any country that likes gamesmanship. I think in, in South American football culture, it's regarded as cunning to do it well. But if you do it badly, then it's not like if you dive really obviously, mm-hmm. they'll applaud you and say, "Well, fair attempt at a dive." In the same way as we talk about a shot that goes wide. Yes. The, but I think there there is an understanding that when players do something smart and get away with it, that you have. But it's to still it's still cunning. One man's cunning is another man's cheating. Yeah. It's still the same thing. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. the way you get away with it, if you make it less obvious. Yeah. It's the it's the art. That's to be applauded. It. Not to be applauded, but I think to be res- to be admired. For the artfulness, I'm not. I don't think yeah. anyone would would say. Would you admire that? So I, yeah, I have, I have a kind of hypocritical relationship with this. I, I, I think that this this moralism about diving in particular is curiously English. Mm. I don't know about Germany. Do the Germans get upset about diving? The country that produced produced Jürgen Klinsmann. <laughs> I never feel like I see a great deal of it. No, it's something that we that we take as a we seem to take as an as an almost an offence to our our sense of decency in a way that other countries maybe don't. Mm. But at the same time, I do think if you if you do it well, I do think that's you sort of think actually yeah, fair play. You've you Really? Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't oh, okay. it doesn't offend me particularly. But then at the same time but if you're a defender up against someone who does that to you, it, be you you're not being outdone by their attacking abilities, outdone your defensive ability. They basically got away with something that again they've they've conned the referee. Whether it be cunning or not, whether it yeah. be kind of obvious or not, they're still it's still not within the actual. If you beat me, but again, like with the Kenny, if you beat me with skill or with ability as a defender, you say you've got me there. But if you actually cheat to get something, it doesn't matter how you do it. As a defender, you'd say, well, that's just that's just blatantly wrong. Well, Chinch's outlook on this is the typically British one, and, and I wonder whether there's a there would be an appetite in Britain, I think, to to stamp out just about any level of cheating apart from this perception that. It's prevalence in the Mediterranean countries, in South America, and that we would somehow be putting ourselves at a disadvantage. Mm. You know, well, the Johnny foreigners are all up to it, so you know we're going to be at a disadvantage yeah, yeah. at the World Cup, aren't we? If we if we don't get used to this kind of thing, well, there is and, a dis- and in European competition, so it's almost as though we will sort of deal with it on a on a low key. You know, those really obvious dives will send a letter to the player involved, warning them about their future conduct. But there doesn't seem to be. Although a majority of people would support a much harder stance on cheating in 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 the British game, I think there would be a reluctance among the lawmakers to to stamp it out completely because they know that or they suspect that our players would come up against it in European competition or at the World Cup. Well, yeah, you see, you tend to see whenever an English team goes out the Champions League in controversial circumstances or England are out of the World Cup or whatever, you do tend to to, to see think pieces from journalists who or pundits who you would expect to be very anti-cheating saying well maybe we need to be more streetwise yeah streetwise yeah, is, yeah, is. Yeah. but so, so i think there's there's two things here one is that i don't really mind diving mm. but i get really annoyed when players falsely claim throw-ins that they know are not theirs so which you, is which you, is you're upset by but, a throw-in claim but i'm upset i'm upset by it yes. because it's hypocritical to not yes. to diving diving is a more serious manifestation of the same yeah. motive yeah. but it's the same thing you're trying to deceive the referee and I had this conversation with, with Ian Wright and Danny Mills on Five Live not that long ago name dropper Na- terrible name dropper mm. <laughs> and what was really interesting was that they were both of the view that 
we were, I think we were talking about referees, about the problems, the, the endless perceived problem of referees. And they both sort of said that it's the players' jobs almost to, to go out and try and influence the referee as much as possible, to put the pressure on the referee in some way to try and gain an advantage. And they both said that, that's what, that they set out to do that, that they would have a word in the referee's ear about a tackle, or they would say, look, you've got to watch that number four, he's pulling shirts left, right and centre. That Everyone yeah, does that. Yeah. And managers do it pre-match as and well, managers do it pre-match. which is being clamped down on. Yeah. But but it, it is part of uh, part of the weaponry available. Yeah. Is that and more gamesmanship? That, and that well, is considered not more legitimate, I think. So is, yeah. this, is this where we where we have a problem? We need to draw that line. So in the same way, players don't think it's wrong mm. to claim for a throw-in that they clearly know is not theirs, or, pre- or to pretend that it's a corner when it's obviously a goal kick. Players not even don't think it's wrong. They, they kind of there's this weird mental gymnastics thing where they convince themselves that actually it didn't yep, touch them yep, last. Yeah. And it's the same with what you say about defenders not liking being deceived by attackers diving mm. because defenders spend all game doing everything they can often beyond the realms of legality to prevent the attackers playing so the why should the attackers not be able to use something in their arsenal to get the better so, of the what, so what's as a defender what, what, what would I be doing the, the, do elbow, you the elbow and the ribs I never elbowed anyone in the ribs no, but the, apart the, from the, David Beckham <laughs> and every other right winger I played against but you, the, pulling these, shirts these, these or, are the same thing yeah these are the same we, thing we pulling, the same pulling thing. shirts or so defend the defenders well, actually, the worst, the worst one, and I have mentioned this before on the podcast, that Chinch will have done on numerous occasions and fullbacks throughout the world do, is shepherding the ball out yeah. of play. Yes, I, I, that, that, is, that is yeah, that You is wouldn't a joke. be able to get yes. away with no, it no. anywhere else on the pitch. But within five yards of the goal line, you're suddenly allowed to just that is put your arm across an attacker, manoeuvre him out of the way and let the ball trickle behind. Because that's obstruction, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, the ball could be like five yards agree. away from you. You've got no intention of playing it. So I absolutely, absolutely agree with that. And that's something I've done a million times. And really, you should be pulled up on it because it's you're obstructing an opponent getting to the ball. So whether it's on the halfway line or near the byline, why does it change? But it does change, doesn't it? And why is that seem to be acceptable? But it's, I've never really thought about all the stuff that I tended to do or a defender <laughs> would tend. It's funny that, isn't it? How I've just forgotten. Completely absolved yourself of no, I'm any just blame. To, I'm trying to think, is it, is it quite the same though? Is it quite the same? Well, the question we're asking is how much cheating should be allowed or should the game be made to be more Because it is a contact sport, isn't it, as well? I know shirt pulling is a different thing, but making contact is all part. Strikers do it to defenders, then defenders do it to strikers. But how many defenders do you see, if, a, if an attacker touches them, throw themselves on the floor to try and win a free kick? Which is basically in reverse what the attackers are doing. is They're trying to, again, influence the referee. Something actually hasn't happened. I think so there is contact there, so yeah. defenders are going to make contact with strikers. Um, but to say, well, if you feel contact, you can go down. Where's that law? That doesn't exist. That is not the case. If you're fouled or pushed over and go down, that's a different thing. But to feel an arm on the shoulder and throw yourself on the floor, that, well, you feel the contact, you can go down. No, you don't. But well, a lot that's, the, that's never been part of the game. A lot of these newer interpretations of, of the, 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 the laws of the game are actually quite um, elastic, really, in how they can be read. And there's been newer interpretations of it. So we, we all now accept that you don't have to make contact with a tackle for it to be a booking. That is that is how the laws are interpreted now. Mm-hmm. It can be intent and stuff. Yeah. Kind of so there is not a exactly. chance exactly. Yeah, yeah, watching yeah. football in the 1990s yes. that anyone gets booked for a tackle that doesn't touch the player. Yeah. And if that's a way of attempting to reduce cheating or make the game more honest, then that's probably a good thing because, uh, for example, if you look at the challenge that James McLean made on Kevin De Bruyne, De Bruyne yeah, yeah, yeah. which had no contact whatsoever but was essentially a Bennett Mark II in that he was trying to hack down a player who was marching on their goal you would want to see that that punished Mm -hmm. so if that is an an interpretation that is attempting to make the game more honest or to punish foul play in a way that that is a good 
development. So is the game attempting to close some of these loopholes? I think what it's, I think what they're trying to do is to reduce the circumstances in which a dive is obvious. But what might be happening instead is that they're increasing the grey area. So if you now can have a tackle that doesn't touch a player that is a booking, how on earth do you tell what... It, it makes it much harder to tell what a dive is. Because then that's where this if he feels contact mm. rule comes in. Because it didn't used to be that. It used to be that you kind of had to prove... Funny enough, I grew up and I was always told that if you'd lost control of the ball, it wasn't a penalty. That you had to have... I mean, I'm sure that wasn't right. I'm sure that was just an yeah. inept... Yorkshire children's mm. coach, but that, that <laughs> trying to teach you to keep control of the football. No, but that's, that's what I was taught. If you if you were in, were through on goal and the ball had you see it quite a lot now that the ball was clearly going out of play. Yes, they smashed you, you down. You play it to mm. the right or to the left, pass the pass the dive of the goalkeeper, leave your training leg in, or be genuinely yeah. fouled by the goalkeeper. But yeah, there's no chance of but you getting, not getting the ball, certain, so it's not a certainly not yeah. to go and get the ball to be able to score a goal. That's for sure. All bets were off if the ball was out of the reach of your control. Yeah. That, that was that was the interpretation, wasn't it? Well, that can't be a penalty. But the strange thing, if someone's running in on goal and they lose control of the ball and they get clattered, well, on the other side of the penalty area, there can be a striker and a defender. The defender elbows the striker in the face. The penalty be given for not what's actually happened to the guy running in with the ball who gets clobbered. The penalty will be given for the elbow in the face that is nowhere near the ball because that's a foul. Just, just, they're both fouls, aren't what they? What are you but doing elbowing fouls. someone on the, fa- in the I didn't say it was me, Stephen. Yeah. I did not elbow Russell Beardsmore in the face <laughs> in the Manchester. I did elbow Russell Beardsmore in the face. I do apologise. If you had a... In that situation, if you have a, a player going through on goal who is diving over the, jumping over the goalkeeper's challenge, and that's decided not a penalty, sorry, that's decided that that is an attempt to deceive the referee, so that player gets booked for diving. But on the other side of the penalty area, you've got a defender who is deliberately obstructing the run of a striker. Mm-hmm. No one's batting an eyelid, mm-hmm. and they are the same. They are morally the same thing. And it's and regardless of whether you've got anybody has got control of the football. Yeah, mm. you mentioned grey areas. Mm. Is is the the greyest of areas the instigation of contact? If you're ah, the attacking Jamie Vardy, player, yes, I like this. This you is know, good. So you anticipate yeah. the challenge coming, and Move you the ball. Is, rather than the defender being the one that makes the contact, mm-hmm. the the attacking player instigates it. But there are con- there is contact between the players. Striker goes down. Penalty is awarded. That's the one I find particularly infuriating because although you could argue it's quite clever, that is clear. Well, there's a space to that with, with Jamie but Vardy is, is doing that. Is that with, cheating? Is that dishonest? It's dishonest because if you're be fouled, try and get past the defender with your skill, your ability. If you're fouled, I've got no argument. But if you're Jamie Vardy and you knock the ball to the side and then run into a defender when the defender hasn't made any move towards you or the ball. To me, that is not a foul. It's a manufactured contact, yeah. which to me isn't a foul. You know exactly, you can see it, because if you're trying to get past somebody, you don't move the ball in the way that they do. It looks so different. And Vardy had a, a period of this. There's two or three occasions when he did this. Seemed to get into the penalty area and think, I don't want to score. I want to try and get a penalty and maybe get a player sent off. That seemed to be the primary concern. Yeah, but you've got the pace and the ability to get past a man and shoot and probably score. Wouldn't you rather do that? No, I'd rather do this and then turn to the referee and say, right, the decision now. So do we then say the players have got to act differently or do we say players are going to do this, it's up to the referees to sort this out? I think it's cultural. The players have to change the way that they play the game so to give the referee is, more of a chance of getting it right. This is why I name-dropped because what was really eye-opening to me... About with Milzo and Wrighty. With Milzo and Wrighty, Wrighty yeah. <laughs> Milzo. Milzo. Was the, the, to neither Danny nor... Ian. Oh, Danny and yeah. Ian now. It's Danny was and there, Ian now. Yeah. Was there any sense, even even really trying to push it, 
that maybe the players we, we've established before that I have an issue about the way that we talk about referees and that I think that we all need to I think everyone should be banned from talking about referees I think that is the root of the problem not that the referees aren't good enough I think the problem is that there's so much noise around them Ian it is one of the five pillars of Rory's footballing discourse. Exactly. <laughs> Ian Wright and Danny Mills did not have clang any... <laughs> it's just that they were the people who were talking Who about. is that? Your <laughs> mates, Ian and Dan. Yeah. The two f- former players I was talking <laughs> to... The who shall remain nameless. Were, it, it, it was completely alien to them, the idea that perhaps the players putting pressure on the referees, whether that's sort of directly in terms of saying to them, that number four is pulling my shirt, watch him, you should book him, whether it's surrounding the referees after a decision, whether it's falsely claiming for a throw-in, whether it's diving, whether it, wh- however they're trying to gain an advantage or de- deceive the referee or alter the referee's thinking, it was completely alien to them, the idea that perhaps that was the problem. Because it's bred into players mm. that you take whatever advantage you can. So this whole debate about cheating, gamesmanship, diving, whatever it, whatever it is, is actually kind of irrelevant because the players are told all the time from a young age you do whatever you can to win. And that means you stretch the rules within the bounds of, of reality. But I don't object to players looking to put doubt in the mind of the referee, whether that's reasonable in terms yeah, of keep yeah. an eye on that fellow at the I, corner. I, I, He's yes, all over Yeah, me. I agree with this. Or yeah. I don't like claiming for, for throw-ins and, and corner kicks, which you clearly know aren't aren't yours. And then swearing brutally yeah. at the weapon referee. That is, after that or doing that, doing that thing way. where you walk past the linesman just just, just abusing <laughs> it. But I, I can sort of see the logic in that you are, you know, 50-50 decisions, you're sort of letting the officials know that you might have given it to them this mm. time, mm-hmm. so you might want to give us the next one. I, I don't object to that. That's just that's just human nature. I, it's, it's those clear attempts mm. at deception you know, doubt is one thing, deception is completely another. Yeah, what I would yeah. say to you is that the, the, the 50-50 decisions, the trying to influence the referees, all of that, the false declaiming for throw-ins, they are your gateway drugs <laughs> to Jürgen Klinsmann. <laughs> to, to hard, it's hardcore, a slippery slope, isn't it? Yeah. Mainlining yeah. <laughs> Pippo and Zaddy straight into your veins. That's, it's the, it is the same process, that you're, the same mental process that you're going through. It's trying to seek an advantage in a way that is not entirely... Right, but the, the in reality, David Beckham knocks the ball past Chinch, looks to go past. Very him. rarely, ball <laughs> flicks off Chinch's ankle, goes out of play for a corner kick. Yeah. You would not expect Chinch on those circumstances to point towards the corner to help the referees out, would you? You'd expect him to say, oh, "Not touch me, that's a goal kick." Mm. That that I think know, these days I probably would. There's no way. But maybe when I played, you did have that modicum of let's try and win this in as close to possible the right way. I, I, I do think it has changed. The, 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 of what players think is acceptable seems to be getting stretched and stretched. But it's, it's depressing that you think that that is, is completely... That Steve thinks. This, this, so <laughs> Just, it's, yeah. it's depressing that Steve thinks that that is, is human nature. And I know what he means. And the stupid thing is that when you play football, we all do it. We all do it. You know the ball comes off you last on, mm. so, you know, on a muddy pitch on Sunday not, league. And you can't help it's, yourself. It's but because, you hand yeah. up. because yeah. of those people are supposed to be role models and we're copying them mm. even though it's, it's a terrible... But it's, it's a part of the, yeah. it's the competitive spirit, isn't I'm it? Not isn't saying that, it's, yeah, that, I'm not saying it's right. I'm just trying to look at where, where we might be able to deal with the issue. Your moral compass is all over no, the place. <laughs> it's just we're asking too much to expect players to, to display that level of honesty. But can we, we should be able to get to the stage where, not to pick on Jamie Vardy again, but only because he's already been mentioned, that, you know, surely we can get to a stage where Jamie Vardy is encouraged that 
staying on your feet in the penalty mm. area when you've clearly got the beating of the defender is the right way to go. Because there are there are ways in which... Let's um, look at the example of the, the Merseyside derby in December. The Calvert-Lewin, Dayan Lovren incident, mm. which led to the, the penalty that Everton equalised from. See, I don't object to that kind of thing because that is an attacker being very, very clever drawing a defender into making a challenge he didn't need to make. There was no way that there was enough contact between Lovren and Calvert-Lewin for him to go down in the fashion that he did. But he outfought the defender. I mean, let's and not, he's won the penalty still, is, is, it, is it a let's foul? Not, let's not be too praising. It's, it's only Dejan Lovren. <laughs> but I was going to ask you about the... In right, terms yeah, of, but you've got to start somewhere. You know, in it's, terms yeah, of... It's kind of... It's kind of he's past, Calvert-Lewin is kind of... Like just failing a B Tech right. smart. Yeah, he's all right. Well, he's got his, he's got his eleven plus now, yeah, so exactly. he can move yeah, on yeah. to his GCSEs. Yeah. But in terms of aspects of, of, if we call it cheating, having a chat to the referee saying just keep an eye out for this on the corner is pulling my shirt, or appealing for a, a throw in or a corner, are they more acceptable and they don't massively necessarily influence the game? Where somebody throwing themselves to the ground in the penalty area clearly has a much greater effect. Not saying it's it's all would be great if we yeah. didn't have it and the game was played in a lot uh, more truer sense. But are there things that we can say? Well, we'll accept that and that and that, as long as we try and maybe work on this aspect of cheating. There are two different things there, because one, the first one is attempting to get what that person genuinely thinks is the right result. Mm-hmm. So he is trying to influence the referee, but if that guy is genuinely pulling his shirt, he wants yep. that to be penalised. Yep. That is different to somebody trying to affect the game in in a way which would end up being incorrect, mm-hmm. i.e. I'm going to dive yes. and I'm going to get a penalty yeah, yeah. that I do not deserve. Yeah. Or if you're going up to the referee and saying, watch out for them before he's pulling, pulling, pulling my shirt when he is not pulling your shirt. Yes. Oh, no, no, I'm, I'm, no, I'm saying if you're pointing out something that is actually happening, yeah. Yeah. I, I, whether it be the captain that does that or the player, I, I don't feel, in rugby they do it as well, they'll have a quiet word with the referee saying, just watch out in a scrummage. Or, so they're, they're quite within your, 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 your bounds to actually mention these things to a referee. What? What are you smiling I at? I think I was going to say something insulting about rugby. Don't you dare say anything decide. insulting about unless it's about rugby league, and then you can say what you want. It's going to be about rugby union. But again, rugby union is played in a certain way where the referees is is, is king, and obviously they all listen to him. And, so, and it's the referee saying certain things are happening in this giant sprawl on the floor <laughs> that we're all watching. It's for not a giant minutes. sprawl on the floor. <laughs> It's, it's, it's a very carefully constructed yes, scroll on the floor. Yes. It's not enabling me to kick to the ball. There's great skill and technical field. ability in a scrummage. But again, they will just mention to the referee, just keep an eye out. They'll say it in certain there ways. Is a they will say, just, just, just watch out that for is this. ongoing, which yeah. I think, if you are having a sensible conversation and the root of that conversation is things that are genuinely happening, yeah. we put that in a different category to those who are devoid of conversation or not, those things that are happening to try and influence a referee and to get him to make the incorrect decision. So what I would say is that all of the little things create an environment in which the big things are inevitable. So Mm. yeah, obviously it is more serious that players dive to cheat to win penalties than it is that full-backs continually claim for goal kicks when in fact it's a corner. That's obviously, it's obviously more serious. It's a more direct attempt to deceive. It's 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 kind of a purer form of cheating. But I think that the, the little things being accepted and Steve's completely right. Like they are com- accepted, you wouldn't. No one would. No one seriously thinks they're they're a problem. But by allowing all those little things to kind of manifest and coalesce, mm-hmm. you end up with an environment in which the big things yeah. are inevitable because that moral line has been blurred. Basically, the thing we've not mentioned yet, which is the worst cheating you see in a football match, faking injury, especially if you're claiming you've been struck in the face yeah. when you clearly haven't been. The Rivaldo. The Rivaldo. The Rivaldo. Yeah. <laughs> because did you ever do that, Chinch? 
At, not in the face, not in the face, because I was, I was, I was better than that. But I did pretend, you know, when you just I mean, move the ball been, and a striker you, comes across, he's so obviously you kind of make in it, the face quite a few times. Quite a few times, obviously. But, but yeah. also, he's been injured so many times yes. that it's like the boy who cried wolf. I mean, yeah. eventually, if he's faking it, nobody's going to. Yeah, think but my that. injures were never from tackles or anything. They're just when the knee ligaments fell apart, just running down the wing. But no, you did try. You know, you moved the ball and play, and then there was maybe a slight bit of contact, and you kind of go, and the referee would fall for it and give the free. It's still the same thing. That what actually happened didn't happen. You're making it. Look, or you appear to that, the referee. That's an element of diving. We're yeah. talking about a, a challenge that may or may not have made contact with you, but then you stay down in an effort to stop Never the game. That. Never did that. Well, so I've, I've Never got a did that on this, which is that. Okay, did you do that? To be honest, yeah. no. Yeah. Did, um, you? did I? No, I would never stay down. No, attempting to stop the game because the no. opposition has the ball. No, no, and no, you're out no. of it, and I you can't remember. Just no, bother. no, no. The thing with with a lot of the those incidents that you see where players go down, then get up, and everyone boos at them is that I, I always kind of think that having played football, not to a high level, sometimes if you get tackled, even if it's fair, it does kind of hurt. Like, it's okay. In the same way as every decision now either has to be a dive or a foul, sometimes people fall over, and we've, we've lost this. And I would actually put the Calvert-Lewin penalty and the Liverpool penalty they got in the other derby against Everton into that category. Sometimes people fall over in football pitches, in football matches. It's not always a foul or a dive. You can just fall over and I think with, with a lot of the faking injury stuff we've kind of lost we've lost sight of, of what is faking injury and what is having a man run into you really quickly get the ball mm-hmm. not be a foul yeah. but you actually take a bit of a blow and it takes you a little bit of time to recover from that because it does hurt it's playing football hurts so actually go in the garden you just throw like a 50-50 ball I'll come win the ball and play the man as well and then you can yeah. You can really feel what it's like. I'll absolutely clatter you over the garden <laughs> it, fence, it, but I played the ball. It must hurt. It does hurt. Fair, fair of course tack- it's going to hurt. Fair tackles but hurt. It, yes. Again, yeah. again yes. Steve yeah. is mentioning, yeah. and I, I hope I'm not putting words into your mouth. You can well, we'll contradict me. <laughs> but Steve is, I think, again, talking about the slightly more obvious examples yeah. of a player rolling around, yes, attempting bit, to yeah. stop the game, yeah. thundering the, 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 the mm-hmm. turf with his hand, being making it look like there is he has been killed by a sniper and those elements are the things that you're talking about as being it's this one isn't it the the elbow and the wavy wavy oh, arm yeah, shaking, I never up, under- shaking, shaking the arm shaking wait a minute if you broke your leg I don't think you'd be shaking your arm would you <laughs> anyway I'm not su- suggesting it doesn't hurt mm. I know that I've been fouled plenty of times I know how painful it is and done the fouling I yeah, yeah I've dished out a few but you just get you get up and get on with it don't you yes. I mean, you are physically yes. you know Professional footballers are impressive physical specimens. True. Thank you. you oh, sorry, I'm not anymore. Former current, professional, current <laughs> professional footballers are impressive physical specimens. There are plenty of sports where people get punched in the face and continue, or a 15 stone bloke Boxing. runs into them, knocks knocks them over, and they get up and get on with it. So I don't. Un- I understand football is played at an incredible tempo, especially at the, the highest level, and that you know tackles are going to hurt. And if those two things combine, then the impact is going to be all the more difficult to deal with. But deal with it. Mm. If you're but seriously then, hurt, then yes, yeah. you, you need treatment. You need to go off. But come but on. But that's the thing. People. We can't blame the referees for getting that wrong. He's got to err on the side of caution and think, this might be the occasion when he is seriously injured, but he isn't. So the players have got to stop doing it, haven't they? So, so we come back yeah. to the fact that this ultimately is on the players. We tend yeah. to frame this as a matter for the authorities to sort out. There's some sort of disciplinary clampdown on diving. Yeah. All that thing about y- retrospective yellow cards or three-match bans or the gallows for people who dive. <laughs> At the very least. It, and it oh, it's too good for them. It happens, <laughs> every, yeah. it happens every season. There's some sort of initiative to stop diving. Although this but, is the first season where there is a retrospective yeah, two-match ban, isn't but it? But it's not a... It's a ridiculous policy. 
the way they've introduced it is ludicrous. So it only counts if it works. So what about all those dives that don't work? So you get yeah, into yeah, yet yeah. another grey area. Yeah. So and equally, you can't have it if the, do the referees like the Pope are infallible. So if they notice it, then it can't be mentioned. It can't be retroactively oh, dealt with, yeah. which is yeah. insane. That, but that's the same for all. Yeah, just all disciplinary issues. Like the Pope, they're infallible, and that actually is a huge problem within football structure because we just need to, if we got rid of that idea that the referees if the referee sees it he will interpret it correctly we might solve quite a lot of problems but there's this issue every it comes up every year that we've got to do more to do more 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 and more and more to combat diving it's a cultural thing within the players the responsibility lies with the players yes. to stop doing yes not just the big things but the little things to, for those things all the stuff we've talked about mm. to stop being okay and then you might get somewhere if you mind if you care about it mm. but if in the current climate in as with things as they are to go right back to the start if they do it well we should applaud them and the other reason players need to take responsibility is that particularly recently we've seen Manchester City complaining about the treatment that some of their players received in matches and Manchester City fans have put together video evidence of, of some pretty atrocious tackles I'm sure they're not the only club that has been affected by this they just happen to be the oh, one that have highlighted the anti-City agenda <laughs> but surely if players Hashtag agenda if players weren't diving and trying to win free kicks when the challenge didn't merit it, then it would be easier for referees to deal are with you, those are you tackles. That just did... City players diving, no, I'm or all players. <laughs> Steve Wyeth, once again, you missed this last week. Steve is is on fire emoji because he is, <laughs> he is at, there is a fire emoji that he is sitting on. That's it's the wisdom a... that comes with being forty. That's <laughs> such an important point that it's, it's boy who cried wolf syndrome. So mm. it's really hard. In an environment where every foul is made to look as though it's it's sort of assault resulting in major serious injury, it's really hard for referees again to understand. I mean, there's some some they, the one the West Brom one against City, the Matt Phillips, the Matt Phillips one, one, Abraham Diaz, the, the was Bennett ridiculous. one, yeah. the the Jason Punchin one. Yeah. Those those ones, and I think they form at least fifty percent of the tackles that a lot of people have been commenting on for Manchester City. Those ones are, I think are so obvious they, they live outside yeah. of that boy who cried wolf issue. They are just either due to um, a, a misinterpreting of the narrative or, you know, a referee's thinking, oh, these guys have been diving all the time or their city, they're, they're good enough. They don't need to have the other team down to 10 men because they're going to win anyway. Whether we, any sort of kind of complete misunderstanding or just not seeing it or not thinking that it's a red card. All those things are incorrect they are red card challenges living outside of all of those issues and again if we got rid of this idea that referees are infallible then they would be punished appropriately because you can't ref- re-referee a game like you, you can but you can you I, clearly I, I can. think you, you should be it's ridiculous we need to move on from that you yeah. need to get to the right decision yeah. these people and by the way this is a complete tangent and I apologise for that those tackles should be punished not by just a three game ban they should be punished for the length of time that the player that they injured is out for that would stop somebody. I mean, see that, Apart yeah. from for Jason Punch and it was two days because Kevin Daruna was back the next the, game. The, that 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 comes up <laughs> just in, an in idea. sort of redistribute it's a bit Salem witch trial that it's kind of medieval justice that but the eye for an eye, eye for an problem, eye. The problem is as Chinch knows, so is is what? What about my nose? No. Oh as Chinch knows. <laughs> as sorry, as sorry. Chinch knows is it the problem there is it doesn't have to be a bad tackle to result in a serious injury. It's true. Yeah. No, so no. you might It's not gonna work, mm. but I just think it's hilarious. But the <laughs> The overall... <laughs> that's, I, that's my I reasoning for pretty much all my ideas. But I, what, I, what Steve says is, is, is really true, that, that if you have an environment where referees can't 
where players are, again, trying to make it as hard as possible for referees to tell what is really serious, then you can't blame the referees for not being able to get Absolutely, it right every yeah. single time. Yeah, yeah. I love the idea of yeah. the potential for a manager to be pretending that his injured player is injured for longer <laughs> because the player <laughs> the player that committed the foul that uh, led to that injury is more valuable to his team yeah, than yeah, the injured yeah. player is to them I think it's like an excellent one of Baldrick's plans in Blackadder it's terrible I stick by it I stick by, I'm, I'm a, a, an entrenched person who will never change his mind about anything regardless of the evidence to the contrary Paul Pogba accidentally trip somebody they go down clutching their ankle Paul Pogba out trips. for the rest of the season Pogba doesn't play again until August yes. Paul Pogba yes. trips Gareth McCauley yes. Pogba out for four years <laughs> oh no he just retired did we tell you that um, Steve you mentioned managers let's talk about managers uh, before we finish uh, because it's the third point that Christian Barber made in his original email um, it's the and it, it's not related to, to, to the things that we're talking about it's just a case of, of sheer honesty or lack of the I didn't see that and therefore not commenting upon it or finding a way around it. Is that something that matters or do we do we think that people, as soon as they say we don't see it, okay, I'll show it to you. Now what do you think? I think you'll find, Chinch, that I'm holding up one hand with, with my other hand. Why are you doing that? Which is the most effective way <laughs> to get someone's attention. Didn't you, at the back of class, you used to hold hold the hand that was up with your other hand round the back of your yeah. head and yeah. just it's the most comfortable. No, it's not. Either you know the answer or you need to go to the toilet, one of the two. <laughs> the, um, Which one is it? The Merseyside Derby. So w- Third mention of a Merseyside the Calvert derby. Lewin penalty. Mm. Sam Allardyce comes out afterwards and says that they mastered Liverpool and then says that you can't have hands on someone in the box. One month later, Liverpool... Was it Lallana got brought down for the Liverpool penalty in the Dreams? Yeah. Really similar situation. Probably slightly more of a penalty for Liverpool than it was for Everton. And Allardyce comes out... Basically, Holgate, I think, pushed Lallana on the edge of the box, in the box... Allardyce comes out and goes, I don't think it was a penalty. Despite the fact that he had said a month previously, in the exact same room, that if you have your hands on someone in the box, it's a penalty. Until managers are are grown up enough to accept that sometimes decisions go against them, we should disregard everything they say about refereeing, disciplinary issues, tackles. They have made their beds, they can lie in it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Head to uh, our post-truth episode, which is number six in the set-piece menu canon. I mean, a lot of what we talk about refers to that. We should probably do part two of that just to see if anything's changed. Yeah, it all depends on where things happen. If it's your team going forward in that penalty area, oh, I definitely saw that. It's definitely a penalty. If it's in your defensive, oh, no, I, I didn't see it, or it definitely wasn't. So you can't have it both ways. No. So it, it has happened on the odd occasion where a coach has come out and said, yes, my defender did this, it was a penalty. And it's great, but... Why do they do that? I didn't see it. You must have seen what it. Difference clearly, does it someone make? Said, what difference does What, what difference would it make? Because the decision's been made. It, clearly, everyone knows it's a foul, it's a penalty. So really, what you say, you're just either going to make yourself look really daft or people are going to say, great, you actually agree with what everyone thought prote- anyway. You're not protecting no, your players, no, which is no. a lot of uh, yeah. the reason behind uh, what I manage to say these mm. things. And look, just to help everyone peek behind the curtain, there are monitors everywhere yeah. at Premier League football grounds to suggest that you've not seen the major incident in the game is farcical. They've got TVs in the dressing rooms. There are monitors in the tunnel. They've got really analysts who will have it yeah, all on yeah. a laptop that they can show them any clip of yeah, yeah. any part of the game they've just had. You mentioned TV directors being an unsung hero last week. They spend, the, the, the television director spends the best part of an hour after the game playing in replays 
that are going out to you know on, on the world feed so that mm-hmm. people have got all of the angles of every major incident available to them. and that stuff is being pumped through monitors all over all over football Usually stadiums. right next yeah, to where the right manager's being to, interviewed right next to where the manager's saying I've not seen it well if you just turn your head 45 degrees it's happening right there and they need to do that more often and but I think they don't because they would uh, ruin a relationship with the manager the manager exactly, would be really angry exactly. I, I'm sure I've been at least one press conference where a journalist said to the manager a manager was talking about an incident that he hadn't seen and a journalist said I've got it here do you want to see it and I think the manager said no yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's, yeah. for obvious but, reasons but to be honest in the we talked about video technology and all that stuff the, the, the most important video technology for, as a, from a journalist's point of view that we could use is whoever's in d- doing the flash interviews, the immediate interviews with the managers after games, should have an iPad with the incidents. Yeah. There's no reason that can't But happen. they don't want to be shown them because then they'll yeah. say, yeah, actually, you're, you're right. right. If I can just say, I didn't see it and it definitely wasn't a penalty. Well, if I show you that it actually is, uh, no, I don't want to see but that because then that contradicts what I'm going to say. I know, I know, I know, I know. Ridiculous situation to be in. Because it's like any other reason for any other opinion that any fan has had or any player or manager has had that they either cannot be seen to be because they don't want to emotionally or because they can't seem to be seen to be going against their, old, uh, their own club. They don't say anything against that club or alternatively, they don't want to be on the end of something which means that they have lost or a decision that's gone against them because they can't emotionally deal with it because admitting something is not within the realms of the emotional capabilities of people who watch or play or manage in football. It is analogue analysis of a game in a digital age. Mm. The the availability mm. to see those incidents incidents immediately is there so why are we pretending it's not and why are we giving managers the opportunity to say one week I'm not talking about the referee I never talk about referees seven days later well the referees basically cost us three points today Um, the the final question that Christian poses that I think we we should be able to uh, reference but deal with quickly is that would it make any difference if there was less money yeah yeah, it does yeah it it makes it makes it (sighs) This is a semi-thought-out thought. Italy in the 1990s, which was the best league in the world, the richest league in the world, had really defensive, cynical football where there were lots and lots of niddly fouls and lots and lots of gamesmanship because the rewards were so great and the pressure was so great. Mm-hmm. There is a direct relationship between how much people will push the, the envelope and the rewards on offer without a shadow of a doubt. But then there's not going to be less money. So. Yeah, but we can't fix that problem. No. And we've done very, very well to get through a whole conversation about cheating and we haven't mentioned Diego Maradona once. The hand of God. Until then. Uh, it's time before we leave for Nevermind Jack and Ori, what a soccer story because Chinch is back within our, uh, within our realm and therefore we get a story which is something that we're very, very pleased about. This is when Andy tells us a tale from his playing days with all adult behaviour and libel-worthy details removed. Does everybody remember... David Bugsy Burrows. Yes. Yes. Now we all. Do you remember him, Steve? Yeah, yeah. Left back, played for Coventry Everton and Coventry, Coventry yeah. Liverpool. Did he play in the cup final for Coventry? I, I think so. Yeah. I'm sure. Yes, he probably did. Yes. Now David Burrows came to Everton. Mm-hmm. I think I've been injured, so I was obviously first choice left back. But because I was injured, they needed to get somebody in who could play the role fairly decently. So they signed David Burrows. Now, have you ever come across David Burrows? You know what kind of guy David Burrows is? No. Not met him. He's a lovely chap. But he's uh, he's very straightforward. Okay. Yeah. Where's he from? And he's from. Is he Birmingham? It must be Midlands. Tell you what, Midlands I've got a but anyway, he, he came. He came to Everton, and he's one of the few players underneath his training gear. He wore this kind of. Do you remember these like wrestling outfits they used to have in the seventies? They're like a pair of hot pants with an added vest mm, on yeah. top. Giant oh, yeah, haystacks. Yeah. Mick McManus used to wear them. Is that like a, it's like a leotard. It's like yeah. a leotard. Like a leotard. <laughs> now. 
on, on obviously train we had the laundry and everything was done so your training kit used to be put out when you arrived or your training kit was there so Bugsy obviously brought this leotard in now what tends to happen when players see something like that because it is quite unusual they think right what can we do to this to make it funny so what they decided to do was take a pair of scissors to them cut out the gusset <laughs> and cut out nipple holes as well but the thing about Bugsy it didn't bother him he wore it he seemed to be happier to wear a peephole leotard in training and in matches rather than say oh my god what have you done since I'm not possibly wearing this he wore it anyway why would you do that I, I have a technical question can you imagine the, the air the breeze that you would feel was he wearing undergarments underneath the leotard no the leotard was, was the, the base garments right. and then he would wear garments on top of that was it leotard shorts or was it yes. leotard under, undergarments I don't know the, the leotard hot pant did the job of the underpant right, okay. so if you cut out the, the gusset yeah. it's going to leave you a bit free and easy yeah it really uh, is but Bugsy seemed to really revel in this and uh, pranced around with uh, a peephole a peephole mankini what's that all about <laughs> But the trouble is, you leave. You've, uh, if you used to come in a new pair of trousers, people used to kind of shred them. And it used to be kind of you had to wear. If you wore a tracksuit day after day, it was okay. People wouldn't touch it. But if you came in with a, a new pair of slacks, it used to be like open season with the scissors straight into the physio room. Everyone used to get. And they used to cut. Remember Dave Watson got his trousers completely shredded up. So they were like a pair of shorts, but then with tassels <laughs> all the way down to his ankle. Footballers why are, would you do that? Footballers are the worst type. But why would you yeah. do that? Why? I never. I laughed along, which is just as bad. It really is. You're complicit. I am complicit. <laughs> and guilty as charged, put, send me to prison. But I never took a pair of scissors no. to someone's trousers or mankini. That, to me, is just wrong. David Burrows, born in Dudloy. Dudloy. Born in, uh, born in the West Midlands, yeah. near Birmingham, and uh, wasn't in the Coventry 1987 side. He joined ah. them in the mid-90s. Does it say what he's doing now? Uh, it says, is now uh, a tailor. Likes to cut holes. <laughs> he has his own line in gentlemen's mankinis. Gentlemen's peephole mankinis. Lower undergarments. <laughs> can, we, can this week's Twitter teaser be, are there any other areas of life or areas of employment in which it's acceptable to have your clothes shredded if you pop out of the room for 30 Or oh, ties, ties, new tie. Oh, you've got a new tie on, have you? Snip. <laughs> what? Why would you do that? Any suggestions, please do at setpiecemenu or setpiecemenu at gmail.com. Uh, in the meantime, please do subscribe, share, rate and review. We humbly ask you to continue to find room for us in your podcast schedule. And thank you to Rory, to Steve, to Andy too, and of course to you for listening. We'll be back with another set piece menu for you to enjoy very soon indeed after we have enjoyed enjoyed some pancakes. I need to go and do the rest of the batter, don't I? This is very exciting. So, uh, Chips, don't get worried about me. I'm just focusing on the batter. Are they pancakes or crepes? They're pancakes. Ah. They're, they're buttermilk pancakes. What, why, why crepes? I like the thinness of a pancake. Crepe. Crepe. What? It's not crepes. Where's the A-Y in that word? It's yeah, French, crepe. man. Crepes. 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 Yeah. No, no, no. no S at the end. Crepe. Crepe. Sorry, stop spitting Look, on me. Chinch, it's Roy Hattersley, what are you doing? Chinch, as far as Hugh is concerned, Thin Hugh speaks French, so just let him oh, go. Oh, really? Uh, around this table, I'm the only person who can utter three words of French. So, crap. Do it with me. Crap. Écoutez. Très bon. Et répétez. Crap. Oui? Crap. It's amazing what the promise of pancakes has done to our timekeeping. That's about the first just, time ever we've stuck to a yeah, schedule, yeah. isn't I it? Just like thin pancakes. I just like thin pancakes. You're allowed to have... They, they are two mm. different... Well, they're not two different food stuffs, but they are two different... Uh, it's like saying, I like pork loin, 
but I don't like bacon. Yeah, but I like bacon. I don't like pork loin. Well, that, well that's fine. You know, so they're, like they're the made thinness. the same stuff. But they're, they're I like the thinness things. in my meats and my pancakes. Do you, do you get the impression that Steve and Rory have very much well, checked Steve's out of this Steve's conversation? getting up and leaving, so I don't know. Obviously, he doesn't want to take no. part in this. Rory is uh, suggesting that I get the table ready for food. Oh, and you enjoy that's your the thing I'm most interested in. Because you your conversation, your by, uh, by comparison, yeah. is... Uh, enjoy your fat.